0: Hey, everybody. Jennifer here, host of the Old Chicks No Shit podcast, and welcome to today's episode. My guest is Ruth Yunker, who is an author, two-time author, I think, or three-time author. Uh, The three-time author is a humorist and expert on living vivaciously or aging vivaciously. So welcome, Ruth. I am so happy to jump into this podcast episode with you because we're all about the vivacious living over here on Old Chicks No Shit. (laughs) Yeah. Good. So I definitely want to get into your story, but I want to just kick this episode off with something that I saw that you wrote somewhere that says, so you're now 73. Am I correct? Yep. And you wrote, this is the most powerful time of your life. And it's something that I say all the time. And I would love to know why you think this is the most powerful time of your life.
1: Well, I'll tell you, that's a very good question. And it comes just not only from how I feel, but I think just because as I'm 73. And if you don't have power as you get older and older and have lived more and more, then you're missing the boat, you know, take all of the downs you've had, put them together. And that gives you personal power if you choose yeah. to it that way.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I love this so much. And I love that you say that because, you know, culturally we see women as we age getting less and less powerful, right? Like it's this whole, you're invisible, you're irrelevant. And I actually saw a study, I think it was a couple of years ago that had people rate on a scale of one to 10 of power, like power in the world for a number of different faces, pictures, right? And women over 50 were rated the least attractive and the least powerful of all of the pictures that they saw. And I mean, I looked at that and I thought like, this is a reflection of what our society truly believes about aging, right? That especially as women, we're losing our power, we're losing our attractiveness, when in fact, the opposite is true. Yeah. My
1: first question was something like that would be how old were the people they showed the pictures to number one. But also, it's true. I mean, women, we I think we do the most powerful thing in the world, which is to give birth. Yeah. If it weren't for our uteruses, there would be no people. Exactly. And somehow along the way, given we have to go around then nurturing those little babies and burping them and change, you know, and, and all that that does. Do you have children? I do. I have one daughter. You know, okay. So you, I have a daughter and a son. So, you know, I mean, I remember when I gave birth to my first child, you know, I I was slapped across the face for how that I had lost being a woman at that moment. I had exchanged mm. it for being a postpartum breastfeeding, all of which I wanted, you know, but this person that was alert to a sobbing little baby all the time, you know, or waiting for that. I mean, I felt diminished within myself, yeah. and I I resented it at the time, and I I was kind of fearful that. When would I ever feel sexy again? I don't know if those thoughts crossed my mind coherently. They do now. Right. And of course, you get it back. You do get it back. Your body comes back. As my mother said, it takes nine months to have a baby, it takes nine months for your body to begin to think, oh, okay, I am a woman, you know. Yeah. It. So it actually took me about three years to get through this phase. But I don't know if that's what does this in, or that men then perceive us or People who don't have begin to perceive, allow themselves to perceive the woman as being the one who's got to be the one taken care of. I hate when there's songs and the man is singing, I love my little girl, referring to their grown woman, you know. I don't know what we can do about that, except that anyone who's had a baby and raised children understands that that raising a human being is one of the most awesome and difficult jobs Amen. in the world. <laughs> and it's unpaid, that. unpaid.
0: Well, you know, and that's interesting because women's value is seen in, you know, what we do for others, right? And our ability to reproduce. Right. And then is our physical body pleasing to somebody? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and so as we age and you talk about like, you know, losing kind of part of that in motherhood where you kind of become like, okay, now I'm no longer a woman. I'm just this servant to this thing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like this child that I have. Right. And then, you know, you get to your 50s where your body's changing, your face is changing, you're no longer able to reproduce, right? Wow. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, so where is my value in the world? And my assertion is, is that, you know, society will not hand us our value or our power. The way that we assert that is by being fully authentically ourselves and showing what's possible. Because mm-hmm. this idea that you cease to exist once you hit 50 is a ridiculous notion at best. <laughs> oh.
1: And yet, we let it happen. I blame women more than men. I mean, men are Absolutely. just on what we hand them. You know, oh, you want me to be the big boss? Okay, fine. I'm not, you don't get a raise, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's true. And, you know, you asked the question earlier about, you know, who were these pictures shown to? And yeah. interestingly, it was shown to a range of ages across men and women. And all cohorts, men, women at whatever age rated women over 50. So women were included in that. Like yeah. Women over 50 were also included in rating women over 50 as less powerful and attractive. Yeah. So you're right. We are totally doing it to ourselves. Like we're buying into the narrative and, you know, you have to be a little bit of a rebel to step outside of the narrative because it's coming at you from all directions. Yeah, you, you have to have a
1: personal sense of courage. The other day, some irate man at my door, I thought he was my neighbor, but he, but he wasn't when I opened the door. Otherwise, wouldn't opened the door, it was 10 o'clock at night. And he was uh, he was uh, fine. I could see that maybe a little tipsy. He was upset about something in the alley. But at one point, when I turned to get my shoes to go down there and see what he was talking about... Well, I knew what he was talking about. And his wife was there and everything like that. But anyway, he called me babe. He said, thanks, babe, for, you know, me getting my thing. (laughs) And this shot of just rage went through me. And I don't mind being called babe by my friends, people I know, or, you know, it didn't even look like it should have. But anyway, he called me that. And I felt that jolt of rage that really... I recommend to women if they've got the nerve, because I'm from a big family and I'm an older kid in a big family. You had to shout to be heard. So I'm used to that, you know, and I'm used to anger. And I whirled around and I said, did you just call me? And he's taller than me. I think I could have taken him down though. He's very thin. (laughs) I said, did you just call me babe? And he went, oh, oh, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. I said, what's your name? He said, well, it's David. And I said, okay, well, my name is Ruth. He said, okay, Ruth. But I mean, I didn't, Except you know. And yeah. um, when somebody sort of slips in front, you know how you're waiting in line in front of the deli or you're waiting in front of the cabinet and the person behind the counter is not taking responsibility for the situation. They say who's next rather than knowing who's next. But anyway, they say who's next. And you'll see so many times women kind of hold back a little bit or whatever, or even maybe nobody steps forward or everyone stops at a four stops way and everyone stopped waiting. I always go. I've made it. I've just say to myself, then go. If everyone's waiting around and nobody wants, yep. to, then Somebody you go. Step up. <laughs> yeah, step up. I'm next. I never say I'm next if I'm not next. I will gesture to the person, but at a four way stop sign, these people who don't know the rules.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So, you, I mean, you've lived a very full life. I mean, you've traveled widely, you've been married a few times, you know, you're an author, you've yeah. written a million articles. What? living vivaciously mean to you like what does that mean
1: well it means a couple things one thing it means is really feeling well feeling physically well because someone just posted the question to me the other day about they had a friend who is now 73 and for the first time in her life she's seriously ill and what do i recommend how that she feel better Mm -hmm. and i said i have to admit i i don't know how to deal with that particular aspect of being very, very ill and struck down that way. And, you know, and there's other people that could help her more than I could. So I would say that helps with me is to stay active and healthy. That's the bottom line. And, and, Mm. And it's an inside job. So then if you're miserable and depressed, you know, how about a little therapy or even believing that that's not the smart way to be in life? You know how some people kind of, well, that's the way it is, you know, yeah. You know, the world is falling apart around us. and uh, Well, yes, that's so true. But it's up to you to monitor and take care of your mood. So as one gets older, there's more and more that you have to do to feel better, just to simply stand up straight. When I stand up now after sitting here for an hour, I will have to consciously, I have scoliosis in my back. And I do a lot of yoga, straighten myself up and get out, you know, walk straight the head up, you know, your torso open, you know, don't hang on your grocery store cart as you're walking through the grocery. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing that that's, I always get practical about it. And as a result, the more I do of that, drink enough water, this here is water, you know, you'll feel better and you'll feel more vivacious. Then you get into the being brave when you step out the door, trying new things, you know, jumping off the cliff. If, if you're feeling miserable about your life, find a cliff that you really want to jump off of and jump off it. Yeah. I stopped drinking at 50. I had to, but I was scared to death, but I jumped, you know, and I've never looked back. That's great. It was best so, thing I ever
0: did. Why did you feel you had to stop drinking at 50?
1: Well, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, and I come okay. from an alcoholic family, and up until then, my son was coming out of rehab. He's now a psychologist, so tough love does work. And this is only for people who have issues with alcohol. It's right. I, I have many friends who can drink just beautifully. I'm not one of them, right and, and but I was scared, you know, very scared. That was the first change was giving birth, and the second change was getting sober at fifty.
0: A big, massive, like, whoa. And what were you most afraid of in being sober?
1: That I wouldn't, I wouldn't find that absolutely wonderful feeling of being drunk. (laughs) I can't even remember hardly what I liked about drinking. You know, I was just always a lousy, I wasn't a lousy drunk. I mean, I was quiet. I, you know, my husband at the time, I mean, he said, I, I hardly knew you. I didn't realize you were struggling with this so much, but it was just a crutch. It's a physical thing for me. I don't really like alcohol it was a physical like need for it you know mm. so i was afraid that and i also liked the idea of altering my mood right outside of me working on it myself you know i thought that just always having to level my own there's plenty of ways to alter your mood without alcohol one of them is yoga <laughs> so it turns out there's I, I don't know it's just for me it's just been you know a yeah. good thing scared i was and i was a blackout drinker too i could drink to the point where i did not remember what i did and that was frightening a complete and total loss of dignity within myself
0: right
1: you know, that drinking brought to me it it just i haven't made a fool of myself since i got sober not by mistake <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> right right i've made a fool of myself definitely but
0: <laughs> yeah So, you know, one of the things in my own discovery and my own journey, you know, of aging is more and more, I realize that like, as you're getting older, it really is an inside job. It's a mental job. It's a mental game. Right. And it's like, you know, if you choose to stay open and stay curious, and if you choose to continue learning, I mean, about yourself and about the world, right, like all kinds of doors open up and it does definitely kind of keep you in that sense of You know, we always associate youth with a sense of awe and wonder. Yes. (laughs) Right, and you know, it's the more and more that we dig into that and explore the world around us, very much like you have, right? Like in your book, "Baby, I'm the Boss of Me." Like I, I see that sense. I see that coming through, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's you know, it's like you said, the outside is aging, but the inside doesn't have to.
1: No. No, it continues doing its thing. My first grandmother-in-law, <laughs> yeah, she used to come out when she turned about 85, and she'd say, you know, I just can't believe it. I mean, I look, I feel myself, and I look in the mirror and say, who is that woman?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I said to you, I'm partway through your book, almost finished it. And I love the humor in your book. How do you maintain your sense of humor? Like what keeps that alive for you?
1: You know, I, I'm asked that question a lot. I've got to really start figuring out what it is. I come from a funny family. You know, uh, we were both rageful and very, very, very funny. And sobriety swept our family about, like I said, 20 years ago. It's when my son crashed on drugs and we all kind of went, oh my God, you know, we nearly lost him. And But, but the funny thing is... I, you know, my platform <laughs> on social media is actually, um, find, and it started during the pandemic, find the little bits and pieces of magic every day in your life. Notice them. Start noticing your mm-hmm. daily life. You know, I was sitting at a cross light in my car, you know, waiting for an endless Southern California light to turn and a man started crossing the street and he was a little down on his luck. He wasn't quite homeless yet, but he was getting close. He had a scraggly ponytail. I'd say he was in the early seventies, tall, skinny guy, His pants were corduroy, I remember. Anyway, I'm sitting there in my car and you know how the cross lights now say 14, 13, 12, you know, when you're crossing. Yeah. Cross- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suddenly he realized he wasn't going to make it. So he began skipping. And I don't know you remember skipping, how you could kind of get higher and higher when you're a kid. And- yeah, yeah. Well, that happened to him. All of a sudden, he just really got it and infused him. And he, he was just like flying across the crosswalk like that. And I could feel his kind of like, oh, my God, I got this. You know, I, I'm flying again with skipping. For me, instead of sitting there irritated at the red light, I had this magical moment just show up in front of me. And I, I laughed out loud in my car at his joy, you know, it was free. And I noticed it. And I think a lot we forget, including me, forget to notice just getting out of bed or getting into bed at night. That's my favorite thing to do, I'm telling you. So. <laughs> getting out. Yeah. I mean, you know, oh my God. Oh, bed. Yes. I love you. Those little things that suddenly. You know the cat appearing in the window as you're taking your walk, and here's this little indoor cat looking out at you, you know, and then looking away quickly the minute he sees your phone to take a picture because cats do. just this and that making yourself pay attention to those things
0: mm.
1: you know, is it keeps my sense of wonder alive. and from wonder comes laughter.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that so much because it's so easy for us to get caught up in, you know, like you said, you know, your backache after sitting here or, you know, the everyday things in the world and miss the magic. And there is so much magic happening all around us every day. Yes. That's the bottom
1: line. There really is. And it's as simple as... Notice making yourself notice it. I'm trying now to be at peace with the things that annoy me that happen every day, you know, like putting something down and one minute later, it's like, can't find it. I don't know how long you go around looking, for, how often you look for your phone during the day, but oh my God, it's constant. I got it right here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well, you know? okay. the other day I was talking to my daughter on the phone and I said to her, I can't find my phone. I can't, I, I don't know where I left it. And then she's like, uh, mom, you're talking to me. I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh my God, can I use that? <laughs> you totally can. I'm like, honestly, I, I had to stop myself for a second. I'm like, I am seriously losing it. Like, how could I be on the phone? And we had been on the phone for like quite a while. Like my daughter lives in London, England. And we'd been on the phone for quite a while and we were talking about all kinds of things. And then she said something. And I was like, oh, I should just check that on my phone. And then I'm like, oh, I can't find my phone. Where, where? <laughs> oh, that's great. See, well, that you could laugh at. Yes. Well, I, I, after I got over the, okay, I am seriously losing my mind here. I I should together. Right. Then I was like, okay, yeah, (laughs) I can use that somewhere.
1: Every party you go to for the next year, you can use that one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So I know you have entered the world of modeling at the ripe old age of seventy-three. What kind of an experience is that? Well, first of all, it's something I wanted to do when
1: I was a teenager. It was my big thing. But I just I was never quite tall enough. I didn't have the look at the time and you know, so on and so and I'd spent a lot of time I moved a lot as a child and had been living in Europe and everything. So I just didn't have the wherewithal. Although my mother said, If you want to go to New York and try it out, fine. Or you could, you know, go to college. (laughs) No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I chose college, which I hated, but I knew I wouldn't make it. I It wouldn't happen then. And anyway, last year, someone said to me, I was saying, oh, I'm just, you know, I, I've got my next book. I, I know what I'm going to write, but I just, you know, he said, well, you've always wanted to model. Why don't you try that? It's a new age for silver models, older models. I said, well, I'm not tall enough. He said, no, see, right there, you're saying you can't do it. And that isn't the case anymore with the kind of modeling you want to do, because it wouldn't be trying to be on the cover of Vogue or anything like that, practical commercial modeling, print modeling and stuff like that. So I am finding it. I am having to practice what I preach, (laughs) which is (laughs) jump off the cliff and be the new kid yet one more time doing something that I can, I can, you know, turn. Anyway, it's very interesting. I've had a couple of jobs Apparently I'm doing very well considering, but it's, it's Los Angeles and you, you know, I don't have an agent yet, but I'm just now started. I've taken classes and I've, I've just done stuff and I'm very comfortable in front of the camera. What I'm not comfortable with, it was memorizing lines for advertising modeling, like, have you tried our purified, perfect perfection? (laughs) Uh, Wait a minute, let me try that again, you know? that part. And it's a whole thing with, I'm not an actress, but I'm having to learn to inhabit that and figure that out. But I'm, I'm having to go through being the new kid in the room, like zoom classes, that are all 25 and they keep saying, Oh, it's just so amazing that you're trying this at you know, your age and stuff like that. And I'm just holding myself high and saying, you know, I'm finding myself both anxious and curious. Uh, I'm managing to have a sense of humor about myself with it because I can see where I've got to go and stuff like that. It's, it's not scary because I'm 73. You know, if I'm going to be scared about something like modeling, I or, and nothing modeling is, I realize now, my God, it's exhausting. But uh, about anything like that, I mean, I would be scared if one of my children got seriously ill or something. That would freak me out. But so I am choosing to keep my sense of humor alive and hold my self high and feel dignified inside, even as I'm giggling nervously, <laughs> some of these things. So I'm practicing what I'm preaching. I've jumped off a cliff and I don't have a plan B. I'm going to stick with it. I mean, I've got my books that I plan to write, but this one is, yeah, it's, it's, it's thrown me for a loop and I'm, I'm liking that. I think it's, it's good. I I feel alive and entertained every day. You know, I know I'm going to get disappointed that, you know, get called back for an audition send my audition in and I don't get the call. I don't get the job, but I got one step closer.
0: See, so that's, That's, yeah. That's amazing. Good for you. And, you know, I love the fact that, you know, it was something that you wanted to, to do earlier in your life and you now have the opportunity to do that because For so many of us, and like a lot of the women who come into my community end up there because they know they want to do something different in their life. They know they want something new and they feel stuck, right? Like they don't know what to do next. They don't want to keep living the way that they're living. But like, how do I get to something else? And one of the things I always say is like, first of all, go back to, you know, who you were as a child. What did you love to do? Like, what's a dream that you had that you thought was completely out of reach, right? Like start there. Yes. Right. Because like, and I always say this, if you have a dream or a desire inside you, it's not random, right? It's part of you wanting to be expressed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you expressing now this part of yourself, you know, at the age of 73 and stepping into a whole new world that where, you know, let's face it, age is judged harshly in the the modeling world, right? And opening yourself up to that, like you said, it's a sense of aliveness.
1: Yeah. And it's a sense of, some people will say, "What advice would you give to your 16-year-old now?" With what you, I always think that's another <laughs> thing women do. Do men ever say, "What would I tell my 16-year-old jock?" You know what? And we and ours is always about, "Oh, be brave and be true to yourself," and blah blah blah. I say my 16-year-old self wouldn't listen to an adult to save your life, but I say <laughs> I like to ask, "What would my 16-year-old life say to me now? How would they be pleased with me?" You know, have I, yeah, am I living up to that rather than, you know, this FACO advice I'd give to some kid back there at 16. You can't tell a 16 year old anything. You know that. Wow. They They don't want to hear it from their mother for sure. But yeah, it's jumping off that cliff. But the you were absolutely right the way you put that. I actually said that to someone the other day who was feeling stuck. This very accomplished woman, but she's, you know, she's 78 now and she wants to do something else. And, you know, like what? What kind of job can she go get? Who's going to hire a 78-year-old? It made me not, you know. I mean, one thing I like to say to my kids is, well, I can't go out and get a job now. I mean, you know, thank God. Because it <laughs> would hire me. <laughs> so you
0: just make your own job.
1: Yes. Become a photographer. Yeah. Try modeling. You want to do modeling. when you Maybe I tried roller skating again. I hadn't roller skated in years and years, and I wanted to do that. And I think my roller skates, and I was a fine roller skater. I, anyway, I failed completely. I mean, the last time I fell, and wrenched my shoulder. I thought, okay, forget it. And I'm not going to do any sport in which you are required or should wear a helmet. Not anymore. <laughs> and I'm not even going to feel guilty about it, you know. Right I jog on the boardwalk. I walk briskly. I used to jog, you know so what? This is the new you, but so maybe if you're like doing things something completely different, you know, or so many people say I have so many stories inside me. Well, then try writing. you know yeah. yeah, you know what's worked for me the The one thing I also did when I stopped drinking, I couldn't write. I couldn't write for about seven years. I just I wrote in my journal, of course. I had taken up yoga about a year before I got sober. And after about three or four years, I then went into teacher training, really heavy duty, hardcore, a couple year long teacher training of yoga, yeah. so a yoga teacher. And well, I didn't end up loving teaching yoga as much as just doing it myself. I, you know, it woke me up, like you're saying, you know, and sometimes you maybe don't know what the first thing is that you're going to do. But like you're saying, come up with it, start there. Start new somewhere, a door will open. I know a woman who has no money at all, she said, because I also get that, you know. Well, what if you don't have any money? You can't travel, like that kind of thing. Is she, when her husband died, she looked around her house. She she didn't want to sell, she didn't, but she was, you know, bored out of her mind with it and everything. Anyway, she moved her master bedroom into the living room. She turned the living room, the most beautiful room in their home, into her haven. Mm-hmm. And it's extraordinary looking. It's wonderful. I mean, so we have dinner in her kitchen. That's fine. She yeah. gave herself that. And she said, it just, as my son says, you know, it a like, he says, you know, change the story. Yeah. just Change it. Well, I love that. Yeah. And that kind of thing. But again, it all comes from you. It's an insight. You can read 8 million self-help books, but you have to then, at reading them isn't enough. Yeah. You have to actually do the work which is always shocking to everyone. I'm a very extremely lazy person. I mean, I was shocked the first time I went into therapy, and it turned out I was supposed to talk. (laughs) I thought she was just going to fix me and tell me what to do and send me out the door.
0: I mean, wait! Uh, I'm supposed to tell myself what to do. Like, yeah. I'm supposed to figure this out. This is
1: you're there. So one time I said, "Well, this was wrong." That person did that, and that person, did that person. And it was way back at the beginning of it, and we, you know, years ago. And she looked at me calmly and she said, "Yes." Yeah, so in all those scenarios, who was the common denominator? Exactly. Yeah, and it was me. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you know. So
0: I love what you just said about flipping the story because. I think we all have so many stories about ourselves, like what we're capable of, right? And I hear this all the time in my community. Well, I'm an accountant, I can't paint. I'm a this, therefore I can't do that, right? And we have these, you know, these stories about who we think we are. And the stories most often are based on our past experience. Mm-hmm. And like the past experience basically says where we've been, but it doesn't say anything about what we're actually capable of if we just kind of try. Yes.
1: Yes. Does anyone tell the baby? Does the baby stop trying to stand up and walk the first time he falls down? No. It's this constant. I can tell I can climb up and get on my own two feet, you know, and they keep trying. I think as we get older, we don't want to make a fool of ourselves or we don't want to fall anyway because it hurts. Yeah. Or we pick something that we really instinctively know we can't do. That would be for us. I want to be a singer, but, you know, you don't have a voice, no matter how you train it, or or them sing in a choir, or sing at home, buy mics and do it at home, or realistic with stars in your eyes, if that's possible. Like, be a model. Okay, it's going to take a couple years. I'm still a freshman.
0: (laughs) Right. You know, but at least like it's like you said, though, you start down the road and then doors open and maybe, you know, there's a a fork in the road that you can't even see coming that leads you in another direction that was like, oh, my God, this is exactly where I wanted to be. But until you take those steps, you don't know. And I think so many of us are kind of sitting on the edge, you know, waiting for something to happen or, you know, thinking about it, like you said, you know, and sometimes like we have to take that first imperfect step. Like we're going to suck at the beginning of anything that yes. we do. Like,
1: yeah. Get over it's it. Just sucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get over yourself. I, you know, luckily now when I was growing up, I didn't think I was the luckiest person alive, but having been a new kid four or five or six and being dragged over to Brussels, Belgium at the age of 12, I was really pissed off about that one, but you know, I wanted to be a teenager yeah. in the States. Instead those three years living in Europe, I became the person part of the person I am now and then I've lived many places. You know, if you've lived in the same place of all your life, move. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I Jail don't care if you
1: moved. I've lived in this house for fifty years. Oh my God, are you kidding? Get out quick. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't care unless it was your great great grandmother. Give it to your kid. You move your body somewhere else, you know. I it's seriously yeah. that will shake anybody up, you know. And The first time I went to Paris, I picked Paris, and I wanted to go someplace romantic because it's such a stereotype to go to Paris, right? And when I was 12 and went to Paris, I hated Paris. It just looked like a bigger, dirtier Brussels to me. Right, But anyway, I went in the end, though, because I was going to stay for six weeks in an apartment, and I have some semblance of my French from living in Belgium still left. And I figured it'd be better to kind of know the language. And, you know, sure enough, with going back and forth. And then the very first time I left Paris, I the plane had been overbooked and I got bumped to a flight the next morning. And also me and a hundred other people, I got a round trip ticket back to Paris. That's the only reason I went back the second time. And then it kind of turned into, luckily, I could arrange it at that time into almost a yearly experience for the next oh, nice. 15 years. But I did that first trip. You know, so, so how do you travel by yourself? I mean, what about your husband? You know, I loved my husbands. They were very nice until I had just had had it with both of them and divorced them both. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, why and women who say that to me, I just want to scream. I just want to scream. Go by yourself, babe, babe. <laughs> I call you. babe. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, go by yourself. Well, how do you travel by yourself? Well, you buy a ticket. I always suggest buy it for six months in advance so you everyone, not just you, the person who's trying to make your trip happen, you are not the only one who has to arrange care for the dog, for the the husband, for the parents who are getting older you know there are eight million things to do before you get on the trip but you have that ticket and you get yourself on that plane and you just show up and you get to that first night wherever it is you're staying whether it's an airbnb or a hotel room you walk into that hotel room you dump those suitcases on the floor and you go my god i did it you know and then order yourself food or whatever, and plan what you're going to do the next day and the next day. Because, you
0: know, every place has a sidewalk. Every place has people on it walking around. And I think, you know, like I tried to do this and I haven't done it in a while. So I'm overdue and you're now like prompting me. I try and do a solo trip every year. Sometimes they're little trips, like it could be like not far away, but there is yeah. something really magical about experiencing a place by yourself without the noise and interference. I mean, of your loved ones, even though you love them, right? Like still. Yes. <laughs> noise and interference about what you want to do, what you want to do, but being just relying on yourself and seeing things only through your own eyes, right? Like there's nobody that you can be like, oh, did you see that? Did you, right? There's something really, really magical about that. That feels yeah. in some sense, like really empowering. I don't even totally know the words empowering. to it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, completely. You did it, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. You got yourself there. You know, you didn't have, I mean, Somebody said, well, what about all those problems that go wrong when you travel? I said, well, I have a, I go into a Zen mode. Like I am not somebody who wants to talk to the person next to me. I am in a box. Yeah. I'm just going to calmly, I figure out the minute I go to the airport, they're going to tell me what to do, including the plane is five hours late, whatever, and just live through it. That's the worst part of traveling alone. It's just the sheer nuisance of traveling in general, you know? And I've really slowed down since the pandemic. I basically go between here and Oregon, where my daughter is, right, <laughs> the, the Midwest. It's totally empowering. When I came back from that first trip, a close friend of mine said, boy, it's going to take a while to peel Ruth off the ceiling.
0: Well, because, I mean, there was a period in my life where I was afraid to go anywhere alone. Like I just, the thought of even being alone was like, Oh, I don't want to be by myself. I can't be by myself now. I mean, like I cherish that, like, you know, like I say to my partner now, like, I love you, but I really just need my own space right now. Like I'm taking it. Right. Because, you know, one of the things, and I think I heard you say this in an interview or you wrote it somewhere about being able to hear yourself. Right. Yeah. Like being able to hear, like, there's so much noise everywhere, like, you know, in our own minds, but outside of us and, you know, TV, radio, social media, like so much noise and like carving out space where you can actually just hear you and only you is like, and I say this to, you know, the women in my community, like, that's how you figure out what's next. Start listening. Yeah. And
1: maybe you don't really figure it out in the style that you're accustomed to. That's another yes. way. You know, like yes. the word maybe this is good, so I'll try it anyway, you know, because I, for one, immediately I'll have the great idea. And then I always say, okay, so what's the first step? The first step, oh, okay, there's the first step. And then I get lost in all the steps involved and I lose heart. You know, right? How long is it going to actually take? Like when people say, "I'm going to write a book," and I, I just bluntly say, "Okay, it's going to take you two years," and I'm not discouraging you. I just want you to know that, you know, because otherwise they start and realize they can't get past the first paragraph. You know, (laughs) yeah. Don't try to start at the beginning. So I always tell people, don't start at the beginning. Start whatever pleases you most, you know, and start with that. Start with a sentence. Start with. Picking, making a list of your favorite words, you know, just, just start, start. Like, start with play as much as you can. At least for me, that works. If I get all practical, oh, man, I will, I'll stop myself. Well, not as much anymore, though. See, now I'm realizing, like with the modeling, I thought, oh, my God. You, he said, you need to get headshots. Oh, the fuss I made over getting my first headshots. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm now I'm needing to get another set, which is going to be next week. That set I'm actually looking forward to because I've got someone – Different different, I'm in a different place. I know more what I you know need to show. And but it's like that. It's like that with everything. So I found with getting older, what can I do about it? Am I gonna, you know, I maintain myself. I mean, I am totally into I've had a facelift, you know, I believe in Botox. One chapter of my book is telling your grown daughter you're gonna get a facelift. I don't know if you've gotten there <laughs> yeah. My daughter had a fit, but now she's 43 and a a harassed, divorce lawyer. And I remember a few years ago calling me up and saying, Mom, (laughs) bring me to your Botox person. I said, "Okay," you know, that and and then I just get on with it. You know, I can't have an arm lift for the skin of my arms. Okay, you know, my doctor, I, I hate these lines around my mouth. And he said to me, listen, that there's no no one can pull that out of your face. It's your bone structure. And it's, you talk a lot. So it's it's going to be there. He said, so what women do, and he said, men too, because men have facelifts and have all these aging issues as well. And he said, um, what you do is, and I, he said, I do it too. As we tend to look in the mirror and look, go right to the thing that's bugging us, whether it's the zit over here or this over here or whatever that is. One, one, Seven, oh, my My daughter's stepdaughter said to me when I, I happened to be there during the first three months of the pandemic, quite by accident, but that's how it worked out. She came up to me, she said, is my left eyebrow higher than my right? <laughs> I look at the 16-year-old perfect face, you know, not a blemish on it, huge fear in her eyes, you know, I mean, and one was a little higher because you know what? Our faces aren't even. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well and I love that just you know choosing to do what's right for you right yeah. like whether it's you know like you said a facelift or botox or whatever everybody has that opportunity and you know it's like I shouldn't say everyone has that opportunity it's no, a
1: right. financial thing is is an issue yes. Like, yes. I know
0: but it's an option you know for people who choose to do that and it's also an option not to right but yeah. I think there's so much judgment on both sides of those things sometimes yep. right but just doing what feels right for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it just needs to feel right for you. Nobody else. It doesn't need to make sense. You know, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't need to, make sense.
1: That's yeah. perfect. Jennifer. Yeah. Perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't need to make sense. And I, you know, like so many times, you know, I, one of the things that I have learned on my, my journey is about really tuning in and listening to myself. And sometimes the things that come from my intuition come from the universe. I'm like, really, really, this is what I want to be doing now. Right. I'm like, okay, all right, it doesn't quite make is sense. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, and
1: I, you know, I once said to the universe or God or whoever, you know, yes. whatever the deal is. I mean, I'm spiritual, but not any particular religion, and I just said, I need it to be a straightforward. You gotta don't give, me, don't make me guess, you know. And then I could immediately hear, why not? Yeah, I you figure it out. Here's a few options, okay. you know.
0: Yeah, I know, and I'm, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, okay, is that what you want me to do? Can you just tell me in a different way so to make sure that I didn't just misunderstand what you just said?
1: Yeah, right, exactly.
0: Right? No, the answer, can. no,
1: no, you can't. You know, because that's the other thing, I can talk myself into anything. I mean, I am a superb procrastinator. I consider it an art farm. You know, I am just now doing the taxes and I don't even do them. I just send them to my ta- and He's very polite every year, just waits. You know, <laughs> I mean, realizing suddenly that I don't have to do today something I really don't want to do because I really have until tomorrow afternoon, it's awful. This feeling of bliss goes through me. Like, <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, I mean, nobody's perfect. Yes. <laughs>
0: But like knowing that you're a procrastinator and not making yourself wrong for it. Like, I mean, yeah. that's a beautiful place to be.
1: Well, it is. It's, it's, and if you've got something, you really should quit. You know, like somebody once said to me, you know, you swear too much. And I said, swear too much. He said, yeah, I don't, I don't really like it. And I, thought, oh. and I just noticed, oh, one of my books, I had to take all the swear words out of. It was a publisher I ended up not using. But I, I went through it kind of thinking, I didn't use that many, but I sort of did, you know, and I mean I never used the word fuck, but I used goddammit and things like that periodically in conversation. It was a challenge to take them out and actually put in the words of <laughs> say what I meant instead of using that shortcut. You know, right. a couple of times it just didn't work to take I just took the word out and didn't even try to fix it but it was an interesting lesson so it's also the same sort of thing like you're thinking well I can't this is what you want me to do honestly you know (laughs) (laughs) commercial modeling like modeling in commercials where you actually have to talk you know memorize like that what that's what seems to be showing up over here
0: yeah that's so cool (laughs) I love that so so one of the things we talk about all the time is you know with age comes wisdom do you consider yourself to be wise
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> I answer, That's one of the last things in my book that I talk about. And, you know, I think wisdom is a word that is bandied about too easily. You know, there, how can there be an actual definition of wisdom? Wisdom is so subtle, I feel, and mm-hmm. so quiet. But I think as one gets older, unless you are completely stuck in being 16 years old, you have to develop certain amount of wisdom. And really what for me, what it boils down to is my ability to keep myself calm and centered when everything seems to be falling apart around mm-hmm. if that's occurring. And for me, that's my own personal wisdom that I can take almost everything. At this point, I haven't gotten a serious physical diagnosis of any kind, which would I would though again, after the initial freakout, get into okay. How do I deal with this? I always call it going into my zen mode. I get that from yoga. It's just yoga. Yeah. Yoga is my ticket to sanity actually. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. What and what you just said about like having that like wisdom being equal to like inner authority, right? Like where you can no matter what's happening, you can you have enough experience and knowledge to be able to pull back from it a second, to create a little bit of objectivity around Mm -hmm. that thing, right? So that you can then make whatever decision or choose whatever reaction you want to have to that thing. I think that's such a beautiful definition of wisdom that I haven't, haven't heard it put that way before.
1: Well, that's great. I'm glad because even as you were saying, I was realizing, yeah, wisdom is the ability to, and it comes from living. When you're sixteen, I feel so bad when teenagers commit suicide. Not Mm -hmm. when an adult does, because an adult is maybe that they have a right to commit suicide if it's that situation for themselves, because they've lived enough. A teenager doesn't know that that incredible hurt or whatever is happening is is going to pass. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, my very first sponsor, when I first stopped drinking, she, you know, one time I said to her, I'm just so bored. I mean, she said, bored, you're bored you know how long a a feeling of boredom actually lasts? She said, seven minutes. So you go sit on your couch for seven minutes and be bored. And then you will, something will come into your mind that gets you interested in doing something else. But she said, it's a statistic. Somebody told me that. She said, when I first got sober, you know, it only lasts for seven minutes, whatever it is. Now I'm sure that's a generalization. Yeah, but it's the ability as you get older, you've been through enough. Oh, I remember this time I was feeling homesick, and then next thing I knew, I was home and wanted to go on another trip. You know, <laughs> it's like that. And so wisdom does come from just having experienced so many things and be able to think yourself out of whatever the current crisis, yeah. whatever size of crisis it is. Like one of my crises is I want to get a cat, but I'm not home enough, and I you know <laughs> right. I. I Living alone for the first time in my life. In my life, I managed to live alone. I'm exact opposite of you. I wanted nothing more than to live alone my entire life. Grew up in a big family, got married young, had kids. Then I was single, but I still had kids. I got married again, and then you know, I had, then I had my father, and I, I just finally, and I love it now. You know, I just I absolutely love living alone. I right know. Uh, yeah, you know so i can see the whole it's always changing and you gotta we have to try and change with it and yeah. along the way not feeling and saying next time you think i just feel invisible
0: well then maybe dye your hair blonde you won't right. feel invisible then i'm telling you right it, like i think that's so true because you know you know we choose how we feel first of all. Right. And so yeah. if I feel invisible, what is it that I need? Cause like chances are you're feeling invisible to yourself first of all. Right. Yeah.
1: Very good. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so it's like, what is it that I need to feel less feel invisible to me? And that could be going out and doing something, learning something, being curious about something like whatever it is, but whatever we're projecting into the outside world, I truly believe is how we're feeling about ourselves. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so like, if one chooses to be confrontational with the person, you also know that that's coming from your own anger and be prepared if, you know, decide very quickly whether or not you can handle them turning on you and having something to say back, you know, because I mean, as an older kid in a big family, I could shoot down my brothers and sisters pretty easily, but out in the real world, that doesn't sound as, you know, right? right? Your own children can't shoot them down once they're teenagers. Oh my God. I think, listen, I totally, understand people who've never had children on purpose. They have saved themselves an immense amount of money. But the one thing they have (laughs) never experienced is, well, the two things. One is you don't come first anymore. They do. And the love that goes with it. But also just the having to fend yourself with an enraged teenager who's disappointed in you. (laughs) Well, there's something humbling about that, which, again, comes
0: wisdom. Exactly. I, you know, I mean, my daughter used to be like, you're the worst mother in the world. And I'd be like, thank you. That's exactly what I was going for. Oh, good for
1: you. (laughs) Mine didn't seem to crack up with me except over the facelift when she was 25 until about last year. And then suddenly she's developed different wings and has a lot less patience with her mother than she used to. (laughs) The son, though, they, they adore their mothers. So, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. So what would be your number one piece of advice for the woman who's listening to this? She's in her late 40s, early 50s. She's like, I got to do something different with my life. Like, I want something new. What would you say would be your piece of advice for them? That's so hard,
1: you know. But, you know, I was 50 when I went into a new... I'm going to say that this one was another one. I went into a new hairdresser and I had kind of nondescript hair. My hair, I don't have a lot. Anyway, and I said, well, I just sort of lighten up the, the brown and, you know, cover the gray and stuff like that. And he looked at me and he said, why don't you go blonde? Well, I, I, I just, he said, listen, you've got kind of nondescript hair, you know, blonde would look good on you. And I, I said, well, all right, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then as he was walking, he, was in, and he called over his shoulder, and I'll give you a new cut. <laughs> I walked out with this really short, this hair, and I walked into my husband and he went, I love it. I've always wanted to be with a blonde. I mean, it was you know, but change your appearance, maybe. Yeah, Just change something up. Yeah. So, yeah, change something up or, you know, stop thinking a diet is going to be how you you lose weight or keep your weight off. You've got to, it's got, I, my advice is always terribly, boringly practical because that'll get you off in the right step of where you need to go, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Like uh, just changing up something that you do habitually. Like if it's, you always have, even if it's, I always have this thing for breakfast, just do something different, like have a donut, right? Or whatever. Like just change something up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know, sleep in your living room, see what happens. Yeah. Tell the kids and the husband, they can't come in when you go in there. The living room is off bounds after 10 o'clock at night. Right. (laughs) But it starts at home usually and starts within it's, it's not a, or, or if you can do it, buy that ticket to Europe, you know, just make it six months down the road, but you have
0: it. Yeah. I love that advice and putting it six months out there because it gives you enough time. First of all, it takes the immediate fear factor out of the way, right? Puts it out there, but it's already booked. Right. And now you have time to mentally get your head and to go through all the process of like, I can do this. I can't do this. I can do this. I can't do this. You know, because exactly. it's part of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My daughter is finally she's adores her dog. And she's a lawyer, a divorce lawyer up in Oregon. So she's busy, you know, and to get her to actually leave go out of town especially with the dog and this is the third i mean anyway she's going on a yoga retreat to costa rica with her good friend for the first time in two weeks and i'm just thrilled that she's finally she's gonna come down here for mother's day it's like this new her but she got that retreat started going oh like five months ago that she said okay i'll do it you know
0: amazing amazing Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, Definitely to everybody listening, go read the book, Baby, I Am the Boss of Me. It is entertaining, packed with wisdom and nuggets about living and aging vivaciously, which, you know, to people watching, you can see the energy (laughs) in Ruth's face, right? Like there is definitely an energy, a vivacious energy coming through. And I think that's what it's all about, right? Like it's not about our age as much as it is about our energy right? Oh, no,
1: yeah. It's like I turned 70, and I, just, I had a nervous breakdown. And then I suddenly I was 71, then I'm 72. And now I'm 73. I woke up and said, I understand the meaning of the word ageless now, because mm. I didn't feel any age. I, you know, it was too shocking to be in my 70s, not in a negative way, just in a like, oh, my God, I'm, you know, at 50, I had blonde hair. You know, at 30, I had my first baby and became a mother, <laughs> you know, all these things that happen." But I realize that that ageless is just, that's exactly that, you know, your age isn't the age, especially my forties and fifties. I don't remember getting nervous about getting older till my, well, 50, 50. Hit right. Oh my God, 50. Yeah. It's, it's an inside job, but it, it can be so joyful because it's you. Who have you known longer than anybody in your life? Mm. Yourself. Yeah, What is your oldest person. I, I look in the mirror every morning. I got up this morning at 430 for something else. And I made myself go in there and smile. I felt like right. saying, yeah, but instead I smile because that sent that to my brain, that message to my brain that I'm happy today. Today is a good day. Every day is a good day. In I love its way. that. I
0: yeah. love that. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and insights with us. We will put the link to your book. Well, actually all your books in the show notes and everybody follow Ruth on Instagram, like your account. It's joyful. It actually makes me happy. (laughs) Amazing. It's inspiring. (laughs) It's inspiring. So thank you. Thank you for this. And to those of you listening, if you liked what you heard, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. A five-star review would be awesome or better yet, pass this interview along to a friend or relative or somebody you think that could get something out of it. It would be the biggest compliment you could give us. So thank you for listening until next time. Thank you for listening to the old chicks, no Ship podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.